0: Musical Theater Writer Guy was written and filmed as a YouTube channel series on the traditional and unceded territory of the Muncie Lenape and Canarsie people. Each episode is also released here in podcast form. To learn how you can work with me or to join the Musical Theater Writing Collective, please find out more at michaelraddy.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-R-A-D-I dot com. Enjoy the show. Dialogue in musical theater is a particular creature unto its own. Although it is born out of the same dialogue traditions as the other types of storytelling media that we consume, books, plays, vaudeville, oral traditions, written stories, there are some particular aspects about musical theater dialogue that are different. For the most part, audiences don't think about this too much. Well, that is unless something feels off, then the show experience can get kind of uncomfortable. So, how do we avoid that and write great musical theater dialogue that enhances our shows? Here are 10 traits of musical theater dialogue to consider as you write your musicals. Number one, stylization. There will be a common theme throughout these 10 traits, and that is that musical theater dialogue has a lot of similarities to plays, books, TVs, movies, all of it, except for the fact that there is a lot less time to set up the verbal world. With the old adage in mind that musicals have only about 20 minutes to set up everything we need to know, all the exposition, the world, the musical world, and all of the characters, before we get the story going, that is mostly going to be done in music and doesn't leave a lot of time for the other verbal part of the world. So, if we're going to set up the spoken sound of the show, we gotta do it fast. And by spoken sound, I mean how the people in this particular world and context actually speak. We need to know what defines their way of speaking that feels like it's part of a unique world that the audience is being brought into. Because it needs to be both specific and also done quickly, a lot of writers will rely on a heavy stylization of the speech. This may be more common in the classic musical theater canon, but it is prevalent in the contemporary one as well. Stylization could be as heavy as the Jets and West Side Story, using phrases like womb to tomb, sperm to worm, and cool and daddy-o very specific. Or it could be a bit lighter with the overly polite and slightly stilted speech patterns of the musical theater gangster trope. Stylization could also include regional accents and word choices that are written directly and specifically into the script, whether they are real or they're just made up. Brigadoon does a pretty decent job of occasionally pulling in Scots words and having word choices that sound pretty credible with a Scottish bro, Whereas Carousel often has me wondering where and when these characters are supposed to be from. I will also note here that this has been done to poor effect many, many times in the musical theater canon, leaving us with a whole bunch of shows that date themselves with racist and classist tropes. Avoid that at all costs. Number two, colloquial to the world. Colloquial to the world simply means that the characters are speaking in a way that is casual and expected to the world in which they live. This could be through the use of vocabulary, to references, to specific time and place, or even to the difference in how they speak publicly versus how they speak privately. In the world of the Book of Mormon, it is both casual and expected that the Mormon characters would talk to one another about their missions. Outside of that particular context, I don't know that that would be true. In Guys and Dolls, the first bet that we hear has to do with Mindy's Cheesecake. Now, we don't really need to know Mindy's or the cheesecake itself to know that this is a well-established business with highly regarded cheesecake. It's very clear from the dialogue and it's very specific to the world. Harold Hill in The Music Man has two sets of language that he is expected to use. And he does. He has the salesman language, which is filled with references to the changing times. I mean, just look at the song, you got trouble. And then he also has the intimate, private, and more uncertain language of a man who is trying not to fall in love with Marion Peru. The main takeaway here is that casual and expected dialogue is usually sprinkled everywhere throughout a musical. and that is often to do with trait number three surface level. Now, I don't mean this in the way that everybody's just talking about the weather. They're in a theater. A hallmark of musical theater is that the deeper, more emotional states and moments tend to be played out through musicalized moments like songs. This means that even though all dialogue has some sort of subtextual work to it, we are leaving the deeper subtextual work for the song moments in a show, not for the dialogue. Scene work in musicals tends not to take place where there is some sort of deep emotional charge, unless we are in the middle of a musical scene or we're ramping up to a song. So dialogue in musicals tends to remain lighter in its emotional tone and at a surface level. Number four outer world. Since most of the dialogue is at that surface level, the majority of it has to do with things that are in the outer world, physical world, and not so much what's happening inside. Commenting upon things that are physical in nature or have to do with the movement of time, which often have to do with literal plot points of the story, tends to be very very common in musical theater. Most writers like to save that juicy inner world stuff for the song moments, which makes perfect sense for this art form. Number five. Fast-paced. Plays, movies, and TV shows often have the luxury of being able to use dialogue that moves at a realistic or relatively natural pace. Obviously, there are exceptions, like things created by Aaron Sorkin or Amy Sherman Palladino, but for the most part, they have this ability. Realism can be readily achieved. Musicals, however, tend to move their dialogue at a bit of a quicker pace. Is that all musicals? No. Is that all scenes in any given musical? Also no. But if you look at the trend for dialogue in musical theater, it does tend to move on the faster side. My best guess as to why would be, at least originally, to not spend more time in dialogue scenes than in music. Plus, the energy of fast-paced dialogue can be very exciting and feel super theatrical, which just adds to the feeling of musical theater. More prevalent than pace, however, is is that the dialogue tends to be... Number six, efficient. A hallmark of most musical theater dialogue, especially in comparison to plays, is that within the lines themselves, they tend to be very efficient in their word choice and their information delivery. Obviously, there are still characters who are purposely verbose, or who choose dollar words like verbose instead of penny words like wordy. Michael. But on the whole, there seems to be a principle that lines should be as long as they need to be to get the information across in that character's unique perspective and voice but no longer. I think this is in part because audiences signed up to come to a musical, not to a play. So wordy dialogue can end up feeling cumbersome or unnecessary. But I think another reason for this originates from how efficient lyrics have to be by the very nature of having to convey a lot of information in a very short period of time. Whenever I see musicals with wordy dialogue but efficient lyrics, it feels a bit jarring. The more closely matched the dialogue and the lyrics can be, the better. By the way, this video today came about because of a question that was asked by one of the current cohort members of the flagship musical theater writing workshop course. If you have specific questions about the ins and outs of writing musical theater, then it is the perfect environment to ask those and take deep dives with me on any given topic. You can learn more about the course and apply to join by going to the link in the description below. Number seven, CAN move the story forward. We would, of course, expect the book scenes of a musical to be where a lot of the plot movement is to happen. Not every song will move the plot or develop a character, so the book scenes need to do the rest of that work. That being said, dialogue doesn't always have to move the story forward. In fact, one of the most delightful things about musical comedy as an art form is that the script and the score both have the ability to add in moments of rest. Avenue Q is filled with comedy songs, but it's also filled with tons of comedic scenes. Some of those scenes move the story forward, and some of those scenes are two very intense, over-the-top bears just being ridiculous. It's harder to write full dialogue scenes that don't move the story forward in other types of media, but in musicals it feels very natural, thanks in part to the vaudevillian roots. Number eight, sets up the song. I'm sure many of you were waiting for this one. Why? Because it can be very tricky to do, or at least do well. Yes, musical theater dialogue does indeed have to set up, transition into, and transition out of song moments. This can be very difficult to do for some writers, and for others it comes very naturally. For my money, I love to follow the emotional subtext of any given scene. If you allow the subtext to slowly bubble to the surface during the dialogue, then it feels not only natural, but inevitable that a song should start. Characters' inner worlds and emotional states are going to be your best guide as to how to get in and out of song moments, knowing that the dialogue is likely going to be far more tempered than the song moments themselves. Number nine, visuals. Musicals tend to be, shall we say, active? With all the singing and dancing and stagecraft and design, there's a lot to be shown as you listen. And since there are often multiple things happening on stage at once, even in dialogue scenes, you will find that there is often a visual element to the spoken words. What do I mean? As the leading player in Pippin moves us from one location to another through their speech, there is often movement and storytelling that has already begun on stage visually. Matilda paints an entire picture of what's happening inside her head and then we see that visually play out on stage in front of us. Yes, yes, you could argue that this is just the theatricality of a stage show, but I would argue that it's actually more than that. Since song moments tend to be so deeply infused with movement, design, and stagecraft, this provides us with both flexibility and permission to do the same thing within the dialogue scenes. Every musical is different, but there is certainly a trend toward the visual in musical theater dialogue. Number 10, fits with the music. And perhaps most obviously, the dialogue in musical theater does tend to fit with the flow of the music. This could of course be in the middle of musical scenes, but it could also be lines that are timed out and interspersed through song moments. Lines are sometimes even built to match the rhythms of the music being played, though that is a little bit rarer. And one could argue that this is the category in which we would put sung dialogue as well, since the sung through musicals are holding on to that grand old tradition of opera of wretched tea. But there's also a lot more that goes into book writing than just the creation of its dialogue, and if you want to learn more about that, then you should watch this video next. Otherwise, thank you all for being here with me today, and I'll see you again soon. Cheers.